The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery as uh, Chris Schmidt currently at home doing this show today from home ahead of high school basketball. I am watching him walk across the room. He, he, his watch was set wrong, apparently. Schmidt, what's up with you? We're into the show. That? What was that? I said I was feeding the pups. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> so that's that's where we were at. But uh, welcome to it, uh, Friday edition, <laughs> Hale Varsity up. Radio. I'm like, where is Schmitty at? <laughs> no, I'm here. You you see me. We have not uh, fired up the old stream yard yet, but we're going to for the Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. Busy show to get to, absolutely. Yeah, I, I said, okay, we're... Um, <laughs> I've got to go feed the dogs, man. They were going nuts outside. Uh, the German Shepherd wanted to play ball. I was like, can't do it. Got to go to work. And I was feeding them. And, and Roz is the 80-pounder. Gertie's the 65-pounder. And it's the same food, man, but they both want each other's food. So I was refereeing. So big-time apologies for being late. Good on you, Elijah, <laughs> for... Picking this fumble up, but it's like a deer hey, it is uh, Super Bowl uh, Friday, getting ready for Cincinnati, and uh, of course the Rams will have plenty to get to on that. Uh, we'll talk to a, a longtime Bengal in Nebraska and college football Hall of Famer Dave Remington with us for an extended sit down in hour two. We'll spend time with, uh, of course, Bill Dolman to get things going uh, in hour two. And pretty excited, Russ Hochstein going to be back with us. Uh, He'll detail as we uh, conclude Huskers in the Super Bowl week with Russ back-to-back Super Bowl championships in 03 and 04 with the Patriots, with Tom Brady. So Russ will chime in uh, with us on on that. Jacob Padilla, Husker basketball tomorrow, uh, Sunday against Iowa, but plenty of basketball prep hoops at 440. So, uh, excited uh, for all these guys that are going to pop in. Adrian Martinez, come on down. He uh, has a chance to to kind of share his thoughts as he is now a, a, a wildcat, which is good for him. And uh, also with our, uh, our our parent company, Herdat, from Hale Varsity, uh, Adrian's getting into a year two with his podcast. So, some thoughts there from Adrian in a moment. But the, uh, the, the good news is, is this, although it does not affect Memorial Stadium, Elijah. 
uh, you have alcohol that has been approved by the Board of Regents for the uh, the folks, the, the, the presidents, the chancellors, those who run their own show, i.e. UNO, or in this instance, Trev Alberts in Nebraska, those at UNK. Hey, you'll be able to uh, to figure out if you want to sell alcohol at sporting events or not. You have the go-ahead to pursue that should you choose to uh, as an athletic director, as a as a university uh, setup. So that's pretty good news for uh, for Nebraska moving forward. Ted Carter coming out, of course, uh, no booze at Memorial Stadium in 2022. Wasn't expecting it. Haven't had it legally for a long time. So you just kind of move forward that way. And and um, you know what? It's It's a discussion point, though, beyond Big Ten wrestling that is – you know, about three weeks away here at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, uh, and I, I think a bigger question is, uh, I mean, as you said, wasn't really expecting it to be Memorial Stadium this fall, but what is going to be that first Husker sporting event that is going to get booze in the stadium? We've been saying so much about baseball. I think baseball makes a lot of sense. And we actually had uh, Kyle Perry expected to be either a Friday or Saturday starter for the Huskers this season. He tweeted out just a picture of a beer emoji with a question mark. And his location <laughs> was at Hawksfield at Haymarket Park. So he clearly wants booze in the uh, the stadium at Haymarket Park. And uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to do baseball first. Personally, they, they already have the infrastructure there from the Salt Dogs in the summertime playing their games there, selling booze, making a lot of money doing it. And beer is as, uh, a part of baseball as the, uh, the gloves and the bat and the ball are. Like, beer has been in baseball for as long as... I've been alive. I mean, for pretty much the history of the game, beer has been a huge part of you go to a baseball game, you get the hot dog and you get the beer. So why don't we have beer at Haymarket Park? I think that would be the logical first step. You also have the infrastructure at PBA. So those are the first two locations I think of just because the added infrastructure that it's going to take to get it into Memorial Stadium is obviously going to be a big ask. But maybe with expanded seating and whatnot, maybe that's one of the things they think about adding along with whatever other additions are going to be making to Memorial Stadium in the near future. Amenities are key. You've got a whole kind of reboot to do at Memorial Stadium when it comes to, well, winning first and foremost. Uh, secondly, it's it's fan comfort. Thirdly, it's, it's different amenities. East Stadium, way different than West Stadium, way different than North Stadium, way different than South Stadium. So that's all one big part of tackling concourses and uh, availability but uh, you do have regents saying yep go for it if you're a a chancellor uh, prospective chancellors to authorize the sale and consumption of alcohol at athletic uh, events on campus Uh, if the university of nebraska decides to proceed the sale of alcohol would be permitted at athletic events that includes memorial stadium pinnacle bank Haymarket, does that mean (laughs) Ted Carter's very clear on this? Will this mean alcohol at Memorial Stadium? We don't have an answer, but I can tell you it won't be this fall. We will never bring alcohol to an event without bringing it back to the Board of Regents. So there's a lot of hurdles here, and I don't even know that there's, there's hurdles per se. It's just a timing situation, and you know, the guy's voice in this state that is still uber loud and it deserves to be is Coach Osborne. He's not an alcohol fan. 
I don't know that he'd uh, ever go along with alcohol, Memorial Stadium, right, wrong, indifferent. That's his take. People in power respect his take. They will, they will listen to him on that take and, and then proceed with what they think is best. But he'll have, he'll have his say uh, about it and has had his say about it where he's not in favor of it for football, basketball, baseball. Don't know that he's specifically been asked about that, but I know it's not really ever been under consideration when he was AD. So you have Trev that's uh, the, in, in the catbird seat right now. Bill Moose opened that door uh, back when he was in charge here. And I think baseball's where you go next since it's up next after wrestling and see if you can handle it for a weekend or, or, or a couple of weekends or a big big uh, 10 series or maybe a home series that's going to get played, weather permitting. Maybe you sprinkle it in and give it a shot. A, a, a beer and, and weekend, then, and, if you will. Yeah, what did you say? Just, a, just a, a weekend of beer, if you will. You even make it a little event. Have some uh, have a craft beer tasting before the game. Make it a Well, the Saltbogs do that a couple times a year anyway, mm-hmm. where before the, the, the 7 o'clock or 6.30 first pitch, Charlie and company have all the beer vendors out there, the local brewers, the, the great folks in Nebraska, the zip lines, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the boiler rooms. I mean, all the, all the, all the beer folks can, can caters. I mean, they're lined up and it's a hell of a good time. That's why I think makes the most sense is, is if you start this out, make it a promotional event, just like that, where you have a beer tasting before you have some of the, the local breweries in town, they can each set up their own stands, uh, say on the, the, the right field line and the left field line, you can go get your beer for them for like one night and you try it out for one night, see how it goes. And then you can, you can open the door for it later down the road. But I mean, but with this whole thing, I think Nebraska fans need to remember that you can't let a few bad apples across the country when you look at Colorado. I know some people have had some bad experiences at Wisconsin. I personally didn't have a bad experience when I went up to Wisconsin. I thought the, the fans were fine despite the booze. Um, that you, you can't let those bad apples ruin what could be a good thing here in Nebraska. Um, I mean, there's bad apples in the stands at Memorial Stadium where you go, this jackasses over there uh, making a, a nuisance of himself and really embarrassing himself and embarrassing Husker <laughs> he Nation. He can't buy a beer. He showed up that way. Yeah, yeah and but, it's, but... And it's... And I can't deal with it anymore. But you look at that. That one person does not define Husker Nation as a whole and does not define the environment at Memorial Stadium as a whole. Just like one bad environment such as Colorado does not define what it's like to sell booze at a, at a college sporting event across the nation. You know what What it really meant, too, is all the all the Colorado games I've ever gone to their fans are cranked up. Their fans are are obnoxious. Their fans are rude. Not all, but you get that intimid that attempted at intimidation, that vibe. You know your your program's something special, or at least held to a high standard if they get absolutely nasty with you because they know it's a big game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while since that's kind of been the case. Let's get to some Adrian Martinez. Elijah, did you hear the sound cloud at all of Athletes Unfiltered on Twitter yesterday? No, I did not. So you had uh, Adrian and podcast, and that's, uh, of course, media. He kind of got out of the bag by Coach Frost telling the media about his broken jaw. That kind of took him by surprise. And I don't know if that was after 
Wisconsin or after Iowa. I think it was after Wisconsin. And maybe it was after it, it was, it Michigan. Was, I, I it don't was the know week before Ohio State. The, 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 the game where it was left out of the bag was oh, the Ohio State uh, game. I remember walking in that stadium and everyone was saying, like, they mentioned on TV that Adrian actually broke his jaw a couple weeks ago. So it was after Purdue. Yes. It was after Purdue. Yeah, so it was after Purdue. Adrian, you know, in, in the little snippet I, I heard commented on that. Then, uh, uh, and then he touched on the, the, the Michigan game where he got smoked by Hutchinson. The fumble happened, and Adrian's like, dude, he's looking at the side judge. Why the, the play was over? Why didn't anyone blow the whistle? And the, the, the side judge came in and said somebody should have. Ooh. But he's like, it, it didn't matter. Go, go check that, that, that Twitter handle out. Go check out the, the Herd Out podcast, uh, Athletes Unfiltered with Adrian. And it's pretty good. This is Adrian uh, yesterday. Yesterday uh, with K-State as they get going with uh, spring football. And, uh, well, the uh, first question here about the, the portal process and leaving Nebraska. The portal, um, if you will, was pretty hectic. Um, but I, I, I wasn't looking for a school that uh, was about the hype. It wasn't a uh, strictly personal decision. It was, it was about business for me, and one of my goals is to make it to the NFL. And in my mind, K-State gave me the best option to do that um, with a really good culture, a really good program, a good team, good guys. Uh, in an offense, I felt like I could fit in and thrive and show some some skills of mine that I haven't been able to display necessarily. And um, that's what it was about for me. So there, there's a process um, sort of comparing different schools, this and that. But K-State was at the top at, in every category for me. Adrian opened up uh, the uh, the interview the, the, the group session, and he really loved the culture of Kansas State. He touched on that. Uh, there's Adrian's thoughts on, on the, the portal process. Uh, Adrian was asked if he was pressing last season or not. This is pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, that, that's part of it, but shoot, it's about playing football. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily label it one thing or another, Um I will say I just need to get better, and I will get better. Last thought here from Adrian and uh, Russ Hochstein, Huskers in the Super Bowl week uh, next with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Why he likes the Midwest. Adrian could have got a lot of spots. There was some thought. Does he go to Fresno State? Does he go back to the West Coast? Here's Adrian. I would say my, my personality is a much better match uh, for the Midwest. Um, I, I feel a little bit more at home here. And for me, <laughs> um, it's a little bit slower pace, uh, which I like. It's a little bit more open, less crowded. And, uh, you know, I think Manhattan is, is definitely that. So, Vic emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. It doesn't hurt that his girlfriend is at K-State. He, Just saying. He also touched on that a little bit in the press It's always conference. a winner. Yeah. Yeah. So good for Adrian. Uh, best wishes to him. We'll keep an eye on him for sure, for sure. And uh, we'll uh, no doubt 
wonder how things go for him. Excited, too, about where Nebraska's at with uh, they're at with Casey Thompson at quarterback. And, you know, Nebraska had a pretty – really an impressive showing last night as, you know, it's kind of coaches convention season. And you had the high school uh, coaches convention going on and, and Coach Frost. And Coach Frost is, is really trying to, to, to show – the Metro that, that he is intent on on winning the Metro. Every assistant and him last night at the Omaha Coaches Convention. That's impressive. Coach Applewhite spoke. And you've got a lot of really high-level coaches that have big-time players that were excited to see Nebraska in full force last night. Russ Hochstein, Super Bowl champ, two times over. And uh, great Husker, he's next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We talked to a two-time champ with the Patriots. And uh, Russ Hochstein back with us. Russ, the plan is what for Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, the plan on, uh, I guess the plan is simple for a, a married guy with three kids that are very active. I will be at uh, three basketball games in the early afternoon, and then sometime around 4 o'clock I'll be able to sit down on my couch, turn on the game, and watch the early coverage um, with some kind of cold beverage. Cold is best, Russ. I'm sure uh, <laughs> you agree. Uh, so <laughs> the craziness of, of going to three different basketball games is, is high level. So how does the uh, – the the role now compare to how hectic it was for you that first Super Bowl when it came to the lead up and all the logistics. Well, I would say this: the role as a parent is much. There's much more work to be done as a parent than there was when I was in my first Super Bowl. I wasn't married, and um, all I had to do was focus on football. So uh, that part of it on the Super Bowl side was much easier on a day to day basis, but. Uh, as we all know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with the Super Bowl, and then I was going into my—I was lucky. I'm one of the lucky ones who could say I was going into my first Super Bowl at the time, and uh, um, the pressure was good. But we were well prepared, and, and obviously, you guys know the stories of how well Bill prepares mm-hmm. for for football games, and and uh, no detail was was uh, was forgotten about. So we knew we were pretty prepared as we got down there for the week before the Super Bowl. Most of our work was already been done um, in that off week. In between, and you get to kind of go down and focus on uh, getting the media stuff out of the way, your family settled, and then um, just kind of wire in for the game. Russ, how can you put into uh, words the the preparation part? I mean, it's the Patriot ways talked about. Indulge just a little bit, just how how uh, Belichick got you ready, how your position coach got you ready, the focus so you could play fast. I tell you, we he put we put so much work in the bye week. Bill Bill was always very good. You know, as soon as the AFC Championship game was over, um, the next day we were brought in. We had meetings. We went over the Super Bowl uh, conversations and things that we needed to do for plane rides, family travel, tickets, and all those things. And um, wrapped up with what we did in the AFC game, watching film and working out. Once Tuesday hit of that week, you were back to work. Um, ready to go, and we treated it as a full, uh, like a regular season game week and prepared that way. So that way we had third down on certain days. We had goal line, short yardage on one day. we go over uh, blitz packages and things like that. 
and really treated it as a, as a, a complete regular season work week. And then um, as we traveled down the Super Bowl, then we started tweaking and, and, and moving things around and, and adding some things here and there that, that come up through film, watching film and scouting the other team even more. And, and, uh, and sometimes it makes you wonder, the longer the layoff in between games, the more things you can think of and the more paranoid you can get um, what another team could do. But as we all know, um, anything can happen in these games. You do have two weeks to prepare. So um, sometimes it is. You get, you get caught off by uh, or get caught off guard a little bit on what their team does. But as games wear on, usually um, they settle into who they are and, and you prepare what you prepared for, and, and uh, that's the way the game plays out. That was a, uh, a nail-biter against Carolina, that first championship, a firework-filled fourth quarter. What was, what was it like in those tense moments? I mean, they're all big moments, quarter one through four, but specifically that fourth quarter in the huddle with Brady. Oh, uh, well, you know, like anything, um, you know, every play was big, and you kind of hit on that. You know, I, I never felt like uh, one quarter meant more than the other, but as you did it in the fourth quarter, I, and as anybody knows, players are not immune to it. We know that it's the fourth quarter. We know the pressure has increased. We need to score. We need to stay on the field. We need to give our defense a rest, and um, we need to execute. And the old saying of do your job individually and, and as a unit really comes into play and, and make sure that those things we work so hard on those two weeks in between, you know, being able to pick up the blitz, identifying what defense is being run, and, and you know, our offensive coordinator always put us in a good situation. And then you got one of the greatest quarterbacks, the greatest quarterback of all time behind you. Um, he always found where to go with the ball, and uh, we moved it up and down the field. And um, so you always felt like you are in a good situation. But absolutely, the pressure is there. Um, you know it as a player, and, and you want to hold and possess the ball and short the game on the other end of the field for the other team. Any doubt with Vinatieri? Uh, no, I never doubted. Never doubted Vinatieri. Um, uh, he had already proven that once, and we were in Super Bowl two, and he just did it again. And, and then, uh, you know, the next year we went down to Jacksonville, you knew you could trust him again. And, uh, uh, man, that guy's clutch. And uh, what a career he put together. And, and uh, you know, you can't say enough about guys that he just executed when the when the brightest lights were on, and he found a way to do it. Russ, what do you remember? What can you tell us about the celebration? Uh, was it more of a relief, or was it joyous? It was joyous, I'm sure, but were you able to soak in that first Super Bowl, or did you soak in more after the second win? Uh, you never forget your first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you never forget your first. No, I. I would say that when a Super Bowl is over, you know the season's over. You are that you're standing on top. You're the number one team, and the pressure is is gone. And because uh, now you get to go back to, you know, get some off time, some time down with your family, and you get to go enjoy it and, and go to go enjoy the celebrations. Because you know, like the AFC Championship game, you enjoy it for a night, and then you're so focused, laser focused on what you have to do next in the Super Bowl that you probably didn't get enjoyed as much as you wanted to at the time, and. And so now the off season comes, and you're like, man, now I can really enjoy this. Have conversations with my friends in the media, my buddies, see people back home, and do all those great things, and and um, and really have fun and kind of cut loose, and not have to worry about getting up at the next morning at 6 a.m. to work out. And so it is. It's a relief. Um, obviously, it's joyous because that's why you're there. And um, but the relief is huge, and and there's nothing like it. And like I told you guys in the past, I wish every young kid growing up gets an opportunity to do it because it's just it's it's amazing it's some of the greatest memories i'll ever have um most likely um 
you know, other than my, my marriage and my kids and, and things like that. But it, it is uh, something special, and they can never take it away from you. Russ, a storyline going into this game is the fact that both quarterbacks are appearing in their first Super Bowl. Elsewhere on the rosters, the, the Bengals are pretty young. A lot of guys there playing in their first Super Bowl. As for the Rams, a, a few holdovers from that Super Bowl team a few years ago, but for the most part, uh, a lot of guys that have never played in a Super Bowl. So, so what is it like going into a, a first Super Bowl, and how important is it to have guys on the roster that have, have been there and done that in terms of making sure the team is ready to go uh, when it comes down to Sunday? Great question, and I would say both are important. Number one, uh, experience does help. Obviously, as you get into tight tight games, at the game's on the line at the end, the guys who've been there have experience. They may have seen something that a younger guys might not have. Um, but I would have flipped the coin as well and say, hey, the guys who haven't been there, they don't know what they don't know. Um, pressure is, is handled different by everybody. Um, and sometimes a young team with a little bit of swag and cockiness and, and, and a lot of confidence, um, they're fearless. And so that makes them very, very scary when you're when you're facing an opponent like that because they're they're kind of out there with nothing to lose. Um, they you know they're young. Um, sometimes in the back of your mind you go, hey, I've been here once. We'll get here again. Whether we, we all know how hard that is, um, but uh, both are very valuable and both are very scary. <laughs> it's an easy way to say it. I know I'm playing devil's advocate, but um, really they can neutralize one another because the experience is what it is. Instead of hey, maybe it's fourth and one. And we shouldn't go for this, but maybe we're a younger team and we've we got a ton of confidence. Let's go just ram it down their throat and get this first down. And it changes the way games are played and the ebb and flow of the game. And that's a huge value uh, for an inexperienced team. But on the other end of it, hey, you go fourth and one. We're an experienced team. We know how to take care of this. And then they go and ram it the other way and get the ball back. So um, a lot of things play out that way. And I think that is absolutely what makes this Super Bowl a blast to watch. And also the coaching on both ends. Both are very good coaches, are probably a little more conservative um, than we've seen in the past in some regards. And so I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Russ, uh, a lean at all, Rams or Bengals? Um, <laughs> I, I lean, how about this? I, I don't know if you guys are gamblers in the Midwest like we are out here on the East Coast, but... Uh, <laughs> we got passed, so I, someday, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I, uh, I, I actually think there's going to be more points scored in this game than what uh, some of the betters think in the world. I, I just think Cincinnati throws the ball deep. Um, they, can, they have enough talent in the wide receiving core all the way across. It's hard to cover them all. You know, view them kind of like Kansas City in a way. Um, I know that made it be cliche or, or something, but when you got Chase, Boyd, Higgins, um, those are three monsters to stop. You got a pretty solid running game. Uh, I am interested to see what, what Cincinnati does with their O line at right guard because I know they've had some patchwork there and they're playing a very good defensive line. But um, I actually think there's going to be some points scored in this game. And um, the, the underdog guy in me loves to root for the guys who probably weren't expected to be there. So um, I can kind of see Cincinnati doing some damage here. So your, your expert betting prediction here is parlay the, parlay the over with the Bengals cover. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, not that I neither confirm nor deny that might happen. But, uh, yes, I, I kind of like the uh, points that I'm getting with Cincinnati and, and, um, and the over. But I will tell you this. Uh, Vegas, uh, when you talk about that line, it, it, it's a four-point line here, I think, currently. And they know something we don't know. So they're, they're giving you four points. 
So we'll see what happens. Someone's going to shank an extra point. There's your four. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's your... half if it goes up, or if it goes up to a half point, you'll have a lot of people screaming when that last extra point goes in. Absolutely, Russ. Uh, last thought, Russ Hochstein with us. Huskers in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady retired. We talked uh, about 24 to 48 hours before he officially confirmed it. So Brady is off to, to junior hockey practice and being a dad, good for him. He also said on a podcast, you know, uh, forever's a long time. So I don't know if there's a door cracked. How do you view the retirement? Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard, you know, when people make comments like that. And I heard Kronkowski made a comment kind of like that, too. Um, so you never know. I, I, we're all, we've all watched sports long enough and, uh, I've been a part of them long enough that your mind changes a lot. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a 44 year old guy who, who's been out what, eight, nine years now. And I look and go, wow, I'd still love to be playing. So, uh, <laughs> give a couple months and, and your temperament and your mood changes and that desire to compete and be with your buddies and, and, um, and go play the game you love. Um, can really pull somebody back in so i would say never say never um you know but obviously tom is 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 been there long enough that maybe there is it's been enough for him who knows but uh he certainly made comments that raised a lot of eyebrows like is this really it or and it especially kind of raised my eyebrows when i heard grunk say the same thing yeah. so uh when two guys are saying something they kind of leaving the door open it kind of makes you wonder um if there's something going on there or not but hey listen all i can do is thank tom for some of the best memories of the world. And uh, the man has changed football, helped football, grow football, um, embodies football, and embodies um, a lot of great characteristics that, um, you know, young guys coming up in the league could really, really follow. And I hope they do because he set a really good example and uh, lead, you know, with character and dignity and, and do the things you need to do and, and do it the right way, and he's definitely done that. Russ, enjoy those cold beverages and the overs, my friend. We'll talk again. Thanks for the time today. You guys have a good one. Go Huskers. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for hanging out on a Friday. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Coming up, Dave Remington. Uh, longtime Bengal, his take on the Super Bowl. Next hour, we welcome in Jacob Padilla with HailVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla underscore. Get his thoughts on hoops. Uh, a full weekend. Jacob, what do you know? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm I know that Nebraska finally won a game in the first time in a long time, so that's good. That is awesome. I know you were there covering it, and want to get your thought. Uh, was Wednesday uh, a sign of of what can 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 be the future for Nebraska these next seven games, or is this just kind of I don't want to say flash in the pan, but was this just a an advantageous matchup? What do you see? working potentially working going forward i know uh maryland and, and iowa loom uh on the road at iowa and then of course uh, you had another road show to to wisconsin so not a not a great schedule moving forward but what can they build on from this week yeah that's the problem is we have no idea uh really don't know what to expect from this team on any given game uh they've even in some of the games that they've lost they've shown the ability to, to compete with um, some of the better teams in the league. They just couldn't finish it off. 
Um, so it's not like they've been getting beat by 20 every single game, and that's how they've got how they got to 0 and 12. It's not a case where uh, they just simply can't play at all. Um, they just haven't been able to play long enough stretches or, or play uh, make the right plays down the stretch to actually get in the win column. Um, so I mean the the capability is there. I mean you look at the schedule. Obviously there's only two more home games, but. And Iowa just destroyed Maryland, but I, I don't think Jordan Bohannon's got another 10th reason in, uh, in back-to-back games. So um, it's not like Iowa's, Iowa's like a bottom half, middle of the pack type of team in the, in the Big Ten this year. There's no Luka Garz on that team. Um, Keegan Murray is one of the, the leading scorers in the country, and he's going to be a really tough matchup for Nebraska, but not quite Garza. Um, so they've got... Uh, Iowa, and then, again, a Maryland team that's kind of reeling a little bit, coming to Lincoln. That's another big opportunity. Um, then you, you go to Northwestern for kind of the, the turnaround of that game. And, uh, I mean, again, it's not a team that should overwhelm them. It happened in Lincoln, but we'll see if they can figure out a way to, to play on the road. And then you got a, a road game at Penn State, too, in there after you, you bring Iowa back to Lincoln. So there are some opportunities here. you got a couple of tough ones to end the season, but – um, if Nebraska can find a way to, to play like they did for long stretches in that Minnesota game, um, then particularly with the, the effort and the intensity and the, uh, the uh, cohesiveness, because that was a lot of it too, that they were on the same page with a lot of things. Guys were, were playing off of each other on both ends of the floor. Um, it, it didn't become disjointed and guys um, not helping on defense and rotating at all and um, guys is kind of isoing and closing everybody out on offense. Um, so if they can stay together and put in that effort, uh, they'll have some chances here. Now, granted, Minnesota contributed quite a bit to that Nebraska win. Um, there are a lot of open looks that didn't go down. There were a lot of just uh, mindless turnovers that uh, credit to Nebraska for taking advantage of those. But I, I don't know that Iowa's going to give them the same exact opportunity. So they're going to have to go out and earn it probably even a little bit more than they did against Minnesota, but that, that is a great starting point. Now, Jacob, I'm taking everything you're saying here, and I, I don't want to twist your words, but what you're saying is the NCAA tournament is still a possibility for this Nebraska team? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, as long as they're eligible for the, the Big Ten tournament, then technically, yes, it is a possibility. Technically, yeah. Te- <laughs> technically, right. Uh, Jacob, what, what should be or what could be Fred's plan moving forward with uh, when he has to have the end of your sit down with Trev, um, buyout numbers, the buyout, uh, it's been very lackluster energy wise from the team at points. The the fan base is is not happy clearly, but they're a little more happy with a win. You know what what's Fred's if he has to make a pitch? What is Fred's pitch for a, for a year four? Um, well, the pitch starts with the end the the closing stretch of the season. He's got to go out and put together or put a competent, competitive, uh, well-playing team on the court for these last however many games. Um, you can't have any more Northwestern games where you just come out completely flat and get run off your own floor. Um, but it, it's got to start with there because if you got a few more of those, then I don't know how you can feel good about the, the program moving forward. But if they can, uh, if they, whether carve out a few of these wins. Uh, look, look good uh, against some of the, against the likes of Ohio State and, and Wisconsin late in the season, where you start to feel like maybe something clicked. 
Um, and then you got to lay out the plan for how to fix what went wrong this year. Um, and that, that involves what you've got coming back, what you've got coming in, how the pieces will fit together a little bit better maybe next year, and then what your plan is in terms of what you want to do for development, for, for playing style-wise. Like it's, it's, you got to go out and show that, hey, I know what the problem is and I know how to fix it. Mm. Um, and Trev's got to believe that. That's basically what it comes down to. Do you, do you feel like you can get this, this program moving in the right direction? Uh, do you understand what has led to uh, the, the, the three rough seasons and do you know and are you capable of kind of fixing those and moving forward? So um, that, that really is like I know he kind of gave the, the pitch on air uh, with the recruiting class and kind of the struggles they've been through. And to certain degrees, a lot of that's true, but also um, there's a lot beyond that that contributed to the record. And that was more in Fred's control uh, and his staff's control. So um He's got to go out and kind of show, demonstrate. He's got to put together a good pitch that Trev can believe in. Jacob, about two minutes here, bud, before we'll let you get out. A couple of games you've got circled on the prep ranks that you're uh, you're locked in on this weekend. Yeah, well, I'm going to be out in Grand Island all day tomorrow for the, the Heartland Hoops Classic. Um, that's the, the early event Tino Martinez puts on out there. Mm-hmm. A lot of cross-class matchups. They bring in some of the, the national powerhouses this year. We've got Link Academy uh, with some familiar names like Omaha Baloo and Trey Green that have visited Nebraska. Um, they're playing in it. You've got Wasatch Academy, who was here a few years ago, um, team from out in Utah. And then you've got Sunrise Christian, who's not going to be playing tomorrow, but they'll be playing against Link Academy tonight at Grand Island Central Catholic. And um, that's kind of a, a lead-in game between two top three teams, according to USA Today rankings. So, um, gr- great to see some some a bunch of four-star, five-star players out there in Grand Island these next two days, and who have some really good games um, out as part of the uh, the classic. I, I think the Osceola uh, in D2 mm-hmm. climbing up two classes to take on a good C2 team in Donovan Trumbull. Um, that, that's always cool when you get some of these kind of cross-class, and that's one where you. Again, jumping up two two class levels there. You've got Concordia against Auburn, uh, or sorry, against Aurora. So you got a, a good C C one against uh, a top ten ish uh, class B team, um, and then you've got uh, Omaha Westside, the best team in class A, going up against Isaac Trout in Grand Island. So you get to see kind of what what Trout's able to do uh, against Westside's defense. So. Um, few few other games, but those are just a few. I mean, it should be a really fun day out there in Grand Island. Can't wait for the um, the, the ride up, and of course the podcast. Two of them you can find with Jacob on Hale Varsity. Jacob, have a great weekend, bud. Thanks for the time. Yep, sounds good. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Hail Varsity Radio, and uh, give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. We'll take it. Excited for that. Uh, and uh, the feedback, and uh, tell us what you think. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Please buckle up. A reminder here with your friends with the NDOT uh, Highway Safety Office. Uh, one out of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink? Don't drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, Elijah, what say you? Did it make sense? Statistically, probably. 
for the regular season to give a fourth MVP award to Aaron Rodgers. Anyone else you would have maybe thrown in there? I mean, Could you have campaigned for for Brady, perhaps? Could you have campaigned for Mahomes? Sure. Could you have campaigned for Dolman is drinking? Is that? Okay, I thought that was a hams. Uh, <laughs> Dolman is in the green room waiting for us. But um, from an MVP standpoint, I know Burrow got comeback player of the year. Chase was dominant down the stretch. I mean, like really, really good. Uh, and Cooper Cup's really the only other name that kind of comes to mind for me with that MVP race. Uh, but uh, Rodgers, someday he'll uh, he'll win as a one seed, I guess, is what I'm telling you. I don't think I had a problem with any of the ranking or any of the uh, the awards from last night. Uh, Coach of the year, Vrabel deserved it. Yeah, regular big, season without yeah, with, with, with regular uh, the, season the without beast. Playoffs. If you include playoffs, then. I think you have a good argument for Zach Taylor, but Zach. I, I didn't have a problem with any of that. The Hall of Fame class, I thought, was a little bit dubious. Um, the fact that you're not putting DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware, I thought, deserved to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Devin Hester, Reggie Wayne, uh, Mike Shanahan. There's so many names of, of guys that Wayne's, I thought... Reggie Wayne was really, really good, but... I mean, it, it could be my bias What's, what's not tough about Reggie, man, is he was kind of number two on that team behind Starve and Marvin for a lot of years. Uh, yeah, but, and, the, and, and the thing is, is I, I can admit a lot of the guys that made it in the Hall of Fame this year were a little bit before my time, uh, being guys that played in the, the mid to late 90s, a little bit before my time. But I don't. Devin Hester was one that shocked me a little bit, not making it in. DeMarcus Ware, the, those, those two are, are the big ones for me where I go, those guys deserve to be first ballot Hall of Famers based on everything they did on the football field. Well, Ware was was really good. Tony Baselli was an incredible tackle. And for him to be as good as he was with the expansion Jaguars at the time, and then he protected uh, Brunel. I like Leroy Butler a lot. Uh, Bryant Young, I think, was out of Omaha Creighton Prep. If memory serves, he ended up at Notre Dame. Uh, excuse me, Junior Bryant. Wrong dude. Wrong Bryant. But, uh, yeah, there, there's not a lot of wow factor name-wise. I mean, there's not a Montana. There's not a Elway. There's not a Sanders. There's not a But, I mean, here, listen, here's Madden. the 10 names that did not make it. The 10 finals. Devin Hester, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Torrey Holt, Demarcus Ware, Patrick Willis, Jared Allen, Zach Thomas, Rondé Barber, and Willie Anderson. I mean, that, that, the name Patrick, of the, the guys Patrick that got Willis, snubbed almost sounds better than the, the Hall of Fame class they put in this year. Patrick Willis was really, really good. That was Jay Bird's roommate in San Fran. We'll uh, catch up with Bill Dolman, his take on the Regents vote, Husker Hoops, the Olympics Hour 2 next. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's hour two. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And it's Friday at five. That means the pride of Fairbury NBC Sports 
from the Olympics, Bill Dolman with us in all his NBC gear glory, my friend. Are you inside <laughs> of a, a tank or are you in the basement? How are you? Bill's Basement Bureau of uh, NBC Sports, and uh, quite frankly, I don't own any clothes anymore that doesn't have some network logo on it somewhere, so uh, I've I've saved money on that, but uh, uh, good morning to everybody, uh, (laughs) I'd like to say, so... I might get, catch a nap after we're done with this and then get ready to go overnight with uh, with biathlon again. Bill, what, what do you think of this new background here on the live stream? What, do you like what we've done with the place? It's midfield. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's very nice. <laughs> a little different than the vantage point I had back in the days when I was hosting the Coach Osborne show. I was sitting next to God atop the, up top Memorial Stadium, so it's nice <laughs> to get a field-eye view of uh, what that looks like. Where, where were the – I mean, you, you were working for Husker Vision – but did you have to go to NET for to film that, or did you guys have your own studio set up inside the stadium? Yeah, we had our we had our own studio um, right where Husker Vision is now, although it's gone undergone some major renovations. But yeah, we had the 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 studios uh, right there on the what is it the west the west stadium on mm-hmm. concourse level and. And I would go up to the very, very top of the press box where there was a crow's nest and about six people maybe or so, a couple of guys from the phone company, um, <laughs> Brian Carpenter and Brian Monson and me. And uh, just that was it. You know, it was, it was wide open and uh, close. Like I said, uh, sat next to God watching his favorite team and mine and got to feel the air and see the crowd. And, and a pretty special time and the best place to watch a football game. Well, uh, the good Lord may, may not be excited about the Regents vote uh, when it comes to, uh, to to beer. The Board of Regents voting unanimously today to allow chancellors and presidents of the University of Nebraska system to permit alcohol uh, to the sale of alcohol at athletic events. Uh, Teddy Carter's come out and said, look, it's not happening this year at Memorial Stadium. Totally get that. But question for you, Bill. How and when would you usher it in post Big Ten wrestling here the first part of March? Would you pick a weekend for Haymarket Park with Husker baseball? Would that be the first step? Well, my, my first question is, are they going to sell beer or are they going to sell Guinness? Uh, that's, you know, that's a lifestyle thing for me. But right. um, it, 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 is there going to be a caste system in terms of, do the folks uh, down low get, you know, bush light and the folks up high get flats? Um, you know, so I think that's, that's a big beer. deal. You know, and, 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 and look, I am pro Ted Carter and Ronnie Green. I, I think that Nebraska has uh, good administration and leadership right now. But I saw Ted Carter's comment was that uh, they're never going to bring alcohol to an athletic event before first bringing it to the Board of Regents. Ted, I love you, but I got a Boda bag downstairs in a box that still has remnants of peppermint stops in it. So um, mm-hmm. that, that ship's already sailed. Uh, look, if Nebraska's hosting Big Ten wrestling, <laughs> to me that that's like a uh, that's hand in glove. You know, sure. You want to get a few people uh, into into. Uh, I'm I'm sure it's going to be is going to be Pinnacle or at PBA. Yeah, it's going to be the I think the fourth through the sixth or the fifth and sixth of March. Blue collar sport blue collar beverages you know uh you might sell that place out and uh, i think it'd be fun people are going to be responsible you're not going to get 
people aren't going to be stupid. Well, I shouldn't say most people are not going to be mm-hmm. stupid because let's face it, there are already a lot of people who come to games and events that have already been stupid before they got there, mm-hmm. right? Um, do, am I in favor of this? Look, it, it's it's the way of the world and it's a revenue stream. But anybody who thinks that you know that <laughs> there isn't something that's already been brought in there, uh, you know, is, is greatly mistaken. So, what about baseball, I, I think, though? I think, is, I think is wrestling baseball? would be great at PBA. Okay, so baseball it's going to go hand in hand, sure. Yeah, and and that's maybe the first step you see uh, with the, this opportunity beyond wrestling is you pick a weekend, you pick a big weekend. Pick a nice weathered weekend, and you uh, you crank up them taps that get put to good use during Salt Dog games anyway, right? I mean, it's there, right. and you see how it's handled. Bill, uh, a thought: uh, Nebraska basketball got off the Schneid. They got a win. They played well for forty minutes. Well, they they played better than Minnesota for forty minutes, and good for Fred and company. Uh, what did you think of of the week of Fred? Not only getting a win but having to face the criticism like he has. Well, I don't think you necessarily give somebody a ribbon because they face criticism, but, you know, he faced it. It would have been a lot worse for him to say, I have a scheduling commitment that's going to preclude me from doing my uh, weekly or whatever it is radio show. And I'm sure, you know, I don't know Fred well at all. I don't think I've talked to Fred since he played at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would think that he probably said, you know, open up the phone lines, you know, make sure nobody cusses when they come on the air. We don't want a violation. It's a big ass. But based on what I saw and what I, you know, I listened to a little bit of it just to kind of get the vibe. And he took it. You know, he's making enough money. Uh, he, sh- he should take it. So, again, no ribbon. But – a lot of people, you know, we see these days will find a way to conveniently avoid criticism or have selectively uh, um, chosen callers and press questions. Um, so good on him for doing that and being responsible and, and standing up. And, yeah, they had a nice win over Minnesota. They should have had a lot more uh, along the way. And I'm, I'm just waiting for the conversation. In fact, after the game, Andy Katz, I was texting some buddies of mine, and I said, well, cue the, conf- con- uh, the contract extension talks and the Nebraska is a dangerous team. I don't want to play come tournament time. And sure enough, not the contract extension, but sure enough on the, uh, the Big Ten Network postgame show, Andy Katz is talking about, I wouldn't want to be playing Nebraska come tournament time. <laughs> we hear that every year. I know right? about 12 teams but- that want to sign up for Nebraska first. <laughs> I mean, I know more than his end on that text that he was talking about uh, mm. Nebraska in tournament time. And you know what? Nebraska might get get a win or two and, and shock some people uh, uh, in the tournament. It's going to be a tough road. Well, it's going to be a road because what do they play? Uh, five of their last seven regular season games are all away from You have uh, two PBA. home games left, both Friday nights, Maryland and Iowa. Yeah, I mean, that's – you know, and, and Maryland got smoked by Iowa the other night, and they're somewhat of an or, a program in disarray. Look, Nebraska might steal a couple of those games on the road, and they might protect home court and end up with, you know, four, five, six wins with the tournament uh, down the stretch. And, the, you know, that's a great finish to a really bad season. Bill Dolman's with us, uh, NBC Sports, Pride of Fairbury. Find Hello. him on Twitter, at Bill Dolman. What's up? 
let me say that you know, I think where things are right now, man, I saw a an unfortunately a go not a go big red flag, but a red flag when they lost to Western Illinois in the very first game of the year. And, and that just no. that just seemed to me and that's somewhat forgotten because things have been you know pretty bad. But there was something about that game that was just like, wait a minute here. The heads aren't on straight necessarily. And I don't think everybody's marching in the same direction. And and it's just not – that's not – that was a bad – to me, that's one of the worst losses of the season. Because – It's the wrong that, foot, man. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, that should have been – after what they did in the, the exhibition of Colorado and I don't remember if they played Peru State or somebody, you know, that's, that's it. But to lose to Western Illinois right out of the gate like that, to me, I, I just keep going back to that. That was a, a tone setter for a team that just has had a lot of cohesiveness all year long. Verge comes back with the 20 points in the second half against Minnesota, you know, after being benched and, and credit Fred for saying, look, you're going to sit until you're ready to play. Um, but anyway, we, we digress. We'll talk no, about no, that's 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 fair. We'll we'll hit by by Athlon in a second. Want to get into <laughs> to Scott Frost real quick. And Frost had uh, all all of his assistants in Omaha last night at uh, kind of the the coaches convention, and uh, kind of well, not kind of. It was a sign, I think, in in an olive branch to the Metro coaches. And two of the coaches commented uh, on you know in Parker. Gabriel's story today that um, that was nice to see, but they, uh, they they expect more attention with with Mickey Joseph on hand, and that's that's great. But that was a, a nice show of force, so to speak, by the, the Nebraska coaching staff, uh, and uh, they were in Omaha, and, and it was it was a sign, Bill, to signal that they're going to really go hard in a different direction and, and make it a priority versus uh, take it for granted, I think. The most disheartening thing about that is the date on the story is not February 2019, 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. the pandemic aside. Um, this harkens back to one of the criticisms that I had for a Bill Callahan um, that you know, the, the, the coach at Westside in that story 20 years ago or whenever we were doing the Average Joe Sports Show said it's true. It's great to, you know, when the, the head coach of the University of Nebraska comes up and, and pays a visit. Well, that was like two or three years after Callahan gotten, got the job. And I think there was an innocent comment in the paper, but that, that spoke to believing that Nebraska just doesn't have the talent. And, and Scott and his staff, that should have been – you know, a priority every year around this time that everybody was going up and hanging out and, and having Milt Tenniper and Dan Young beverages at, uh, you know, at the tavern <laughs> down the hall or down the block. Um, because if you can develop those relationships and develop them early and, you know, be friends and all that kind of stuff, then it, then it doesn't become this big story. It's a great story. Don't get me wrong. And it's, and it's a great shift in focus. But, you know, those 50-mile trips to Omaha – to visit high school coaches should be done on a weekly or every other week basis just to hang out and have a, <laughs> have a, have a beer mm-hmm. and, uh, and say, okay, let's talk. And, and who do we need to talk to when the, when the, the time is available to us? Those are the kind of relationships that make Nebraska recruiting in within the state of Nebraska is so special. And that's what, 
no, I, we go back to the days, but that's those are the kind of relationships those coaches had around the state of Nebraska. It was they were friends, and it wasn't a big deal when they made the effort. It was just part of the deal. You kept a lot of kids, got a lot of kids, knew about a lot of kids. Bill, a couple of minutes here. Uh, biathlon, you get locked in for more Olympic coverage, your, your fourth Olympics, and uh, tell us what you're looking at tonight. We got the men's sprint coming up, and uh, I'm sure everybody has uh, their alarm set to join us live uh, on the USA Network, I believe at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., something like that, so appreciate that. Uh, we are on NBC tonight, on Big NBC, with the replay of the women's sprint, and I think that is at 10.30 tonight, uh, Central Time. But we're just getting started, and uh, we've only had uh, three or four races so far. So the men's sprints tonight, and you've got the mass starts and the pursuits, and it just uh, just having a blast calling it, having a blast watching um, my friends call their sports. And, and I don't know a lot about Big Air, although I should because I'm from Fairbury. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and seeing them, you know, the, seeing the stories with Michaela Schifrin and Deidre Irwin of the United States in biathlon and, you know, the Sean White stuff and hockey. It, it's, you know, I'm really enjoying just the competition. I said this last week. I know there's a lot of politics and a lot of the stuff going on. But for the purity of sport and to just enjoy people doing what they have trained to do for many, many, many years, you know, it, it's a great thing to, to, to view. Bill, what what do you think of the uh, that photo that went viral of the, I believe it was the ski event housed right next door to a nuclear power plant? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's uh, let's just say that the you know moving on is what he's trying to the, say. The, the, the countryside, um, you know, one of the great things about doing <laughs> as many international sports as I've done is to see just how beautiful the world is. And if I were to ever go overseas and go visit Europe, I wouldn't be to you know Paris and Rome and all that. I would go find Pokyuka, Slovenia, and Le Grand Bonan in France and Antolts, Italy, because it is just spectacular what it looks like. The vistas in China don't quite match what I have seen in many of the other events that I have called over the course of my career. It's all man-made, and you know the biathlon thing is a mile high, and they planted like ten thousand trees to make it look like it was a, a forest setting. And I don't think I have any nuclear power plants or anything like that in my uh, in any of the races that I've called so far. But it it is not the typical uh, international European <laughs> scene, that's for sure. What sport, if you could uh, train to be an Olympian, what sport would it have been in? Well, when you come from Fairbury and Nebraska, they, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. And, you know, whether it's ski jumping, as you know, that's how I got in with NBC was ski jumping. And that's just a natural for all of us back home. Uh, I, I love my biathlon. There's no question about no. it. I certainly love curling. And I would think that now that Nebraska is offering uh, beer sales at athletic events, that they may look into putting in a curling team because that might go hand in hand, along with bowling. Mm-hmm. You know, we might want to start selling the beer at the at the at the women's bowling events. Uh, that might uh, attract some fans too. But I, I would love to, I would love to give biathlon a shot, pun intended. Uh, but that's just probably never going to happen. The, the best part about curling is it looks like all those guys that are doing it just like had one too many beers one night and said, I could do that. And well, I like, I like the it. meme that's out there with, with the, the guys in curling. looked like they were trying to get away from their wives for a, for a couple of hours <laughs> and ended up winning a gold medal at the Olympics. 
That's that's <laughs> probably true. Bill Dolman, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, uh, 4 a.m. live tomorrow morning right after Silk Stockings on uh, USA Network. Uh, 10.30 tonight, big NBC for the women uh, by Athlon. Bill, we'll talk next week. Keep up the great work, buddy. Thanks so much. All right, go Big Red, and good night. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to a Hall of Famer for college football. A Hall of Famer with Nebraska and uh, all-century lineman, uh, longtime Cincinnati Bengal and Eagle, well, an athletic director for a, a short time in Nebraska. <laughs> I got to throw that in. Dave Remington with us. Dave, we can't forget hey. the AD role, brother. How are you? Well, you know, that was a short cup of coffee and a, and a donut, and I was over there, but it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> hey, it was a good donut and coffee, man. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. That was good to, to see you. Uh, this time of year is always special, Super Bowl, and uh, it's the ultimate prize. Dave, I wanna, wanted to touch base with you here, Super Bowl week, and just get your perspective as as a longtime Bengal when the team gets to the Super Bowl, and I know you helped be on a team and then part of a, a span that built up to a Super Bowl before you went to Philly. But what do, what do you think the community's feeling and experience, to your knowledge, being a part of it like you were? Well, uh, Cincinnati has always been a baseball town. And when the, the Bengals first went to the Super Bowl in 81, uh, it was pretty cool to see the town just turn over and become a football town. And then when, we went, when they went to the Super Bowl in 88 again, uh, the fans were crazy. I mean, they were just excited to see them be successful because, because there was a long drought in between. And I'm sure that uh, the Cincinnati fans uh, are, are just chomping at the bit ready for this game. They are, and they've kind of struck gold, Dave, with this year three jump with Zach Taylor after the, the first two years being really tough for him and then landing a guy like Joe Burrow. Dave, you've seen a lot of quarterbacks, man. Uh, level of wow with Burrow for you. Well, I just think that, you know, his, his, he's cool. That's what he is. He's cool under pressure, and he's a uh, he's a student of the game, you could just tell. Uh, physically, he doesn't look that imposing to me, but, uh, he, you know, but he is. He goes out there and he plays uh, much better than he looks, just put it that way. Uh, he's a guy that just can do the job, and he's a gamer. And if you get a guy like that, Who's uh, you know has Nebraska roots because of his father? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just you're just so happy to see him have the success that he has, and you see Zach Taylor, uh, former quarterback at Nebraska, um, you know, and and to see what success he's had after a, a couple rough years, and see that Mike Brown has uh, shown patience with him because he saw something, and he's allowed it to flourish. So you've got to give him props for, and I'm talking to Mike Brown now uh, for hanging with him. Dave, let's go back to to being drafted by Cincinnati and and your expectations going to that franchise. You were a first round guy late late in the first round because since uh, since he was on the heels of of some good years and you know what what was the word on Cincinnati uh, as you began your career? Well, the, the thing that I remember most when I got drafted by Cincinnati is I didn't really get contact with anybody from Cincinnati before the draft. So I was surprised. Uh, the The San Diego game in the playoffs is what flashed in my mind when I got drafted. I go, well, that was a place that had the 
the coldest game in the history of football <laughs> was at Riverfront Stadium. Yes. Uh, so it, it was kind of like I was just excited to go somewhere and get an opportunity to play pro football and uh, make some money and do what I love doing, and that's that's just playing ball. And I was there for five years. Uh, and in 87, I was the union rep uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals for the 87 strike, and that was into my career after that. And then I went to uh, to Philadelphia, played a few more years, three more years there, and then that that was uh, that was the, the end of it. But I had uh, horrible knees coming in, so I was just happy to get drafted by somebody, and they gave me a chance, and I'll always be appreciative for that. Dave, what what was the the trick? I mean, it, it takes some some guts and some brains to be the union rep. Was it? Was, well, <laughs> it, it didn't take any brains at all. It was just I, after it was over with, I go. Boy, that was a mistake. But uh, you know, I don't do anything halfway. So when I went in there, I went with guns a blazing, and, and uh, you don't do that in Cincinnati and, and survive. So uh, I didn't. <laughs> I'm laughing with you. I, I hope you know that. But <laughs> yeah, so I, know, I was I, I was I was going to ask what what's it like to to negotiate something on that scale? You, you're you're taking up for your brothers. You're taking up for well, your teammates. I, I had I was the assistant rep. The real rep was Boomer Esiason. Okay. So he was he would do the negotiating with the team. I mean, it was tough because we had everybody, you know, their livelihood was at stake. And a lot of these guys weren't uh, really good with money. So, you know, we had 12-year veterans that uh, they're in game three, and they're like, hey, I don't want any money left. I go, you know, we're just looking at each other like, how did that happen? But <laughs> that's, that's the nature of the beast. You know, they don't pay them to be uh, financial wizards out there. So uh, that was the toughest part, you know, because it's it's they have their livelihood and you're putting it at risk by making, you know, trying to talk them into staying out and honoring the strike. But as you see, the 87 strike was the last one the NFL had. And uh, it is really, you know, it benefited long run. It benefited the players with, you know, just exceptional salaries now and the owners. I mean, it really opened up the door to a lot of money that is flowing through the NFL right now. Does it just blow you away when you look at Denver for sale, $4 billion? You get in on it, on any part of an ownership, I mean, it's going to it's gonna print money for you, Dave. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, if, when I was playing, a lot of the owners were real estate people, and they got pieces of the stadium and all this other things that came with it, all the benefits. And, uh, you know, it's it's just been a it's been a, a, a gold rush for everybody uh, playing football. Even retired guys like myself, uh, I haven't I haven't started collecting my retirement, the NFL retirement, but it has gone up uh, tremendously from what it was uh, pre pre strike mm-hmm. and in the in the in the years following. I mean, it's probably doubled. So I I, I don't think that people, even retired players, can complain too much anymore as long as they can hold off and take it at a decent age and not try to take it at 45 or 55. Uh, but if you hold on, it, it it multiplies pretty well. Dave Remington with his Husker great legend, Cincinnati great, Hale Varsity Radio, Super Bowl week. Is there, um, is there a particularly funny time you remember being in Cincinnati? What was the cast of characters like with with that Cincinnati locker room? Of course, you and Boomer, of course, Boomer Science and Foundation, all the great work you do, Dave, raising money for the battle against cystic fibrosis. That that brotherhood's been there a while with you and Boomer. Well, Boomer has been a friend of mine since he got drafted in uh, 1984, I believe. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of stories. I mean, it, it was just a fun place. 
we had a guy, a bunch of guys who were, you know, lunch bucket, uh, bucket guys, lunch pail guys who work uh, on the offensive line. Yeah, Anthony Munoz, Montoya, Kazerski, Reimers, who is probably one of the better players out there and didn't get a lot of credit, but, uh, uh, and Joe Walters, another fantastic player. We were just solid and stacked in the offensive line. And he had Jim McNally, uh, the guru of offensive line play back then. And uh, so, I mean, you couldn't help but learn a lot. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and we had a very effective line. And we, you know, we were really good offensively through those years that I was there. And then, uh, you know, as far as all the all the knuckleheads were on defense, and like usual, you know, they're the usual suspects. I, I could tell you some stories, but we don't have time, and I don't want to get in trouble with these guys. Was was Jason was Jason Buck on that Cincy team? Yeah, Jason. Uh, yeah, he was. He is the most level-headed defensive lineman I ever played against. With. Okay. Uh, just a really, really nice guy. Solid, uh, solid human being. Just, uh, you know, just, I think, I think, guess he was a Mormon. So, you know, well, he wasn't drinking. He wasn't going <laughs> carrying on. He was pretty, he was pretty strict and uh, just a, a nice person to be around. Uh, yeah, they, they, they had some guys on defense that were, you know, getting the, almost the stories come in camp anyway. That's where. That's where your true true colors shine because you're there for. At that time, we had uh, two a days for five straight weeks, yeah. and and a day they would go on strike just to get rid of that. Now, I mean, I'm <laughs> sure they don't even have it. They don't even have contact during, you know, summer camp or fall camp anymore. Uh, not as much anyway. I mean, we had some days we had three practices a day. Wow. We'd have a walk to, and then we'd have a a regular full pad practice in the morning and a full pad practice in the afternoon. Um, and it's amazing that guys would still find ways to sneak out and go out at, you know, hit the bars at night. I, I don't know how they had the energy to do all this, but uh, I guess it was experience. But what, uh, what, you know, it, was, it was a fun time. Were you guys on in a, in a college dorm for camp? Where were you guys stationed? Yeah, we had, uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but it was a little co- small college in, uh, in northern Ohio, okay. maybe about an hour and a half north of Cincinnati. Um, uh, you know, it was a place that we didn't have air conditioning in this place. My God! So not only not only was it hot and humid, but there was no no uh, uh, no relief when you got into the room. You just have to get box fans and have blow hot air all over the place. But then my my second year when Boomer came in, it was second or third. I he he and I were roommates, and Boomer wasn't having any of this stuff. He went to a a, a furniture rental place and had. Uh, he, he had lazy boys brought in new beds and then he had uh, air conditioned, double air conditioner stacked in the window. I don't know how he, you know, did this, but uh, why the rest of the guys had like aluminum foil against the windows, trying to reflect the sun away from the room. We had everything, you know, we had cold air blowing and we had, uh, we, we were living the life of Riley up there. It was pretty good. That's, you know? that's, that, that, that's smart to room with the quarterback, that, isn't it? That, yeah, it was one of the benefits. You hang around the quarterback, and he's going to get deals for you somehow or another. And I was like, hey, this is pretty sweet. How how you leaning? Is it Cincy or is it the Rams when you look at Sunday? Oh, you have to go with Cincy. I mean, I, 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 that, I, that's, I'm, that's my heart. Yeah. That's with yeah. my heart. Uh, I'm thinking that Cincinnati's going to find a way to win. They've been on the road the last couple of games, and uh, Joe Burrow's find, or Burrow has found a way to win. So I'm hoping they can continue the magic for one more game and, and bring it home to Cincinnati. They sure deserve it. They've, They've been on a dry streak for a long time, so uh, let's hope they can they can bring it home. Thought on Cam Jurgens. He's off to the NFL, super talented uh-huh. and athletic center. 
What's uh, what's your take on on his projections? Well, I think that uh, I was I was hoping he would stick around for another year because he's been on our watch list, the Remington Trophy watch yeah. list, for the last couple of years. And uh, I was hoping that this would be the year. We had an Iowa kid win it this past year, and I was thinking, well, it would be great if we could come back, and he'd probably be one of the, the front runners for that award. Um, but he, you know, he's 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 a smart guy, and he's he's you know found out his value is right now to get out in the NFL and, and try to make some money. Uh, so he's doing that, and I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough thing when you're at that age. Uh, I know they have the Neil thing going on right now, mm-hmm. um, but it's nothing like the NFL money. So everybody's going to be chasing their dream. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him that he's got an opportunity to go to the NFL. I hope he goes where he wants to. I don't know how high he'll go uh, simply because uh, the snap issues that he had with the shotgun earlier and uh, with the under the center stuff was even more you know disconcerting as an ex center to see him in short yardage and having problems with exchange. But I think with, with the time he's going to have between now and the draft and work on all that, and if he gets in there and he makes a team, I can see him playing for 10 years. I mean, he, all he needs to do is get a chance and get some momentum and get things going. But he's got to make that team that first year. And that's the toughest thing because uh, I don't know how high he's going to get drafted. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome. Dave Remington with us, Husker great, legend, Cincinnati great, Hale Varsity Radio. Dave, uh, you look at Nebraska's O-line, they made a change. You've got Donovan Riola in from the Bears. Mm-hmm. Quiet guy, super intense, kind of a, yeah. a technician, and that's how he's been trained. Nebraska has some guys, has some guys on paper that are high, high, uh, highly rated, but the O-line's got to step up specific, specifically on the – the tackles, and there, there may be uh, a tackle. Uh, Corcoran could be moving to center. That's the word early before spring. I don't know, but uh, your thought here on, on the direction of the Nebraska O-line here with a new, with a new guy. Well, uh, Don, uh, Don, Donovan, I was getting Dom, Dominic and Donovan. Right, right. Up here, but uh, <laughs> uh, he, was, he, he was at Wisconsin yeah. with uh, Huber, Coach Huber, so – and uh, and I was with Huber with Callahan, and I was with that group. And excellent coaches, uh, they know the offensive line better than most. And uh, to see him there, I hope he's I hope he has a lot of success. Uh, nice guy. He came. Uh, he was kind enough to come to the Remington Trophy event in January with us. Uh, I had a chance to speak to him, and he was really welcoming. He said, "Anytime I want to come in and speak to the players, I was more than welcome." Um, so that was nice. I mean, he. He's uh, just I, – I want him to have as much success as possible. I look at what he's got. He's probably got a, a, a future superstar if he works and he recovers from his knee surgery in Prohaska. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy Prohaska, it looks like uh, he could be a, a future NFL and a future All-American at Nebraska. Uh, you've got Newelli, who is uh, probably scheduled to be a left guard. He probably could play some center. Um, Hickson at center. Uh I think they've penciled in Latowski uh, as left guard right now. Uh, they've got a couple guys uh, that transferred in from I think Oklahoma State. Uh, Kevin Williams. Yep, Kevin Williams and, is. And a... they, they got a they got an Omaha North grad that's coming back, uh, Anthony Hunter. Mm-hmm. So they've got they might have some depth there. Uh, as far as the other side of the line, 
Corcoran and Ben Hart. Ben Hart needs to get much stronger. And if he's, you know, he's six foot nine. And the only, you know, I love the way the six foot nine guys look on the field. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've got to bail, especially you're going to play guard. You got to dig people out, and you got to come off the ball hard. And he's just got to get bigger. Uh, when you're six nine, your weak point is your back. Always, you know, you get guys, you get you get guys who are six nine as your tackles because they they're supposed to have range. Sure. Now I watched I watched him and Corcoran play. Uh, they got to use their hands more and not turn and and run with a defensive uh, outside linebacker or defensive end as fast. They just got to stretch that out, get a couple more kicks, and use their hands and punch, uh, and stop absorbing guys. You can't and, and and it's it's a natural tendency. Everybody will turn and run at at some point with the defensive lineman as he goes as he goes by you because it's just you're playing against the best players out there. The big tall guys have got the range, and the reason they get the tall guys they got to use their hands and they got to use their long arms as a weapon. And right now you're I see a lot of absorbing and turning and running, and then they got to just get to improve on that. They've got the frame though, and uh, the, the what's what's really uh, fun to watch is the young kid Prohaska. He does a pretty good job right now as a young man, and he's uh, he's he's stalemating guys at the line, and he could be a great one down the road. I'm hoping that that Bryce is because he's a Nebraska kid, I think. I think that uh, you know I'd love to see him do well. I don't know much about uh, Corcoran. You said he might be going to center. There's, there's, I think, right, yeah. How tall, tall is Corcoran? He's got to be tall to be in that group. He, he right is. Dad, he's not. Right he's not. Forward. He's not quite Ben Hart, but I think he's probably six, 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 seven. I mean, I think he's there. Yeah, I mean, those guys look really impressive uh, when they're stand, you know, in warmups and stuff. So, I mean, they look like the part is what you want, and they look like they could be a pro offensive line. They just got to get their techniques. Mm-hmm. I know with. Uh, 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 Donovan, he'll have them working on their hands and punching and and extending guys before they turn and run, and that's what the tackles need to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tried to play tackle for a couple weeks in spring ball, and I was absolutely horrible. Of course, <laughs> I'm, I'm six foot one, and I'm out there trying to, you know, I'm as good against the run, but I mean, the passing was a joke. Uh, but as when I went to Cincinnati, I watched guys like you know Anthony Munoz. I seen what he did, and he was. He was not like overpoweringly strong, but he was just an athlete and he could he could dance with people out there and he wouldn't commit until it was the right time. And he did use his and and one thing that uh, Coach McNally uh, really emphasized was the punch. And uh, all our guys who played on the perimeter could punch and they could and they were good kick steppers and they and it was almost like a a orchestrated thing to watch them play. They were great. I mean, they were absolutely great. These guys that played for for us on the on the corners there those are some names man that you're you're bringing up on the outside at the tackle especially with anthony one of the best ever dave remington yeah. with his uh proud bengal bengals in the super bowl and some thoughts on the husker o-line dave uh we'll do this sooner rather than later always love catching up with you and thanks, thanks so Chris. much for I your time well, i appreciate your yeah, time enjoy the super bowl everybody i mean it should be a good one let's hope the bengals can find a way to win uh, because we, I don't think there's. Is there any players? Maybe Stanley Morgan. Is he a player with the Bengals? You've still? got you've got Stanley and and then Troy Walters was at Nebraska with Scott. He's the assistant wideout coach. He was with Zach at A and M. So okay. they've All reunited. Right. Yeah, I, and then you got I, I, Zach. I didn't know about Walters, but I did know 
uh, you know, that uh, Stanley was there. on the team at one time, but do you think he's he's backing up a bunch of really good receivers that Cincinnati has? He is, so, and uh, Stanley's I, had some injury issues, but he's still on that roster, and he's been elevated from time to time to to active. So Stan's one of our favorites here, you know, and it's good to see him still doing doing work in the league. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's great. Anytime you see a Nebraska kid out there doing well, you just got to cheer for him all the time because, you know, it's just – it's just part of uh, being a Husker. It never, it never goes away. You're right on with that. Well, get some wings, Dave. Enjoy Sunday, and we'll do this again, bud. Thank you, Chris. We'll see you guys. Bye-bye. Husker great, uh, Dave Remington. Of course, uh, all everything when it comes to the offensive line. Uh, Dave keeps up with it uh, big time, and uh, it is a size thing, Elijah, and, and we talk about, you know, what's the next position? Is it still tackle for Turner Corcoran and Turner's six nine? I misspoke there a bit ago. I know how, how tall Turner is, but him and Teddy on the edge would be nice. Ethan Piper's a name to keep watching the, the Norfolk product, Norfolk Catholic product, uh, as far as a an option at center. Um, name to listen for. And we'll see if Nebraska gets in there or not on him as Tyler Steen. It's another portal guy. Uh, and you have Steen with a boatload of snaps uh, out, of, out of Vanderbilt. Played left tackle for Vandy last year. Three-year starter. And uh, if you could get Steen to Lincoln, you could have Steen, theoretically, you have Big Ted at, at left tackle, and then you could uh, you could have Turner move inside, but still have the option of, of Piper, Nuri at the left spot, Henry Lutovsky, as Dave was mentioning, at the right spot, Kevin Williams, the Omaha North transfer, uh, is a guy that, that I'm excited about, and uh, we'll see where things shake out, but I know uh, the... the thought is to, to fire off the ball uh, under Donovan Riola. We'll wind down a Friday. The forecast next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Friday weekend edition tomorrow morning, 7 to 9 a.m. with Hale Varsity, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. And uh, we will, without further ado, get to the Friday forecast Super Bowl 56 edition. I've seen the line anywhere between four and a half and three and a half. Do you want to settle at four? Fair deal. Fair deal. Four it is. Cincy or the Rams? Man, will Cincy stay patient? Will they get the run game going with Mixon? Will they body blow Donald and company? That's kind of the key. They stayed patient against Kansas City. They stayed patient in the run game against Tennessee, against the Raiders. That run game helped them set up their screen game. And I think that's one way to neutralize uh, Vaughn and Aaron Donald. That O-line for Cincy scares me. <laughs> Joe's survived and thrived uh, through three. I think momentum is 
waned a bit because of time off. I like the Rams. I think that 48 and a half number will probably go over, but I think it's the Rams by double digits. I don't trust Stafford, but I think Stafford can hand off and can find Cooper Cup. And of course, OBJ, give me the Rams 34 to 24 over Cincinnati. I want Cincy to win. I want Zach to get the winner's ring. I want Stan to get a ring. Coach Walters to get a ring. I just don't think they can do it against that Ram defense. And there's enough variety with the Rams offense to to make Stafford delegate versus beat you single-handedly. Where are you at, Elijah, for a steak and a beer, or are we on agreement? Well, I've got your bet written down, and I'll take you through my bet here. I have got the Rams calling tails on the toss. It's going to be heads. So the Bengals win the toss. Uh, They're going to like to receive the ball, obviously, three and outs. And then uh, we're actually going to get into the game here. I think uh, it's going to be one of those games that the Bengals have to settle into it with their young team. Uh, But I I do think they make this a game in the second half, and I think it's going to come down to whoever's got the ball last. I got this being a close game. Bengals win outright 34-31 to over the Rams, and they douse Coach Taylor in a lemon-lime Gatorade. It's (laughs) lemon-lime, says Elijah Herbal. Good enough, man. Uh, I hope you're right. McPherson's been incredible. Uh, The commercials will be pretty fun. Some of them have already been airing. But let's be honest, it's really about food and drink and football. One more rodeo of football before uh, April 9th, anyway, with the spring game. Do you have your uh, your Super Bowl menu finalized yet? I don't, man. I My plan is Mama's got to work, so I'll take Junior to brunch and overload him on biscuits and gravy, and then we'll go back for round two. Uh, probably... Either go somewhere or crash somebody's house. I don't know that I'm going to end up making my wings. Mm. We're, we're going uh, nachos with some baby okay. back ribs. I'm going to make a, a buffalo chicken dip, and then uh, we'll see. With the ribs, you might not go a little Smokies. That might be a replacement, but we're, nachos We're going to Elijah's. That's where we're going. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. with the weekend edition. Locally, check us out over on KFOR. Southwest Boys hosting... The East Girls. Motsi has the East Girls hosting Southwest at 6.50 coming up. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks.